Hello, this is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice, with me, Michael Kuehl. And me, Roger Bell-West. And we are here in Roger's garden again. We hope we've uh, we've we've shot enough of the birds to keep the noise down. Erp. Erp. There's a lot you can do with a pigeon, or three. Um, and uh, we're here just after the summer solstice and just after the June heat wave has broken to discuss... Uh, what, are, what are we discussing? Well, long-term campaigns. If, if you want a campaign that's not just running for a long time, but running over a really extended bit of history, how can that work? Also, what we would do to put right the history of role-playing games. And finally, taking a look at tech levels. Do they make sense? Do they work at all? How can we fix them? Onward. But before all that, a brief burst of commercial unsolicited uh, commendation. Uh, we receive um, from the nice people at uh, Bundle of Holding uh, notice of their upcoming uh, releases, and we like to comment on them when we think they're fun and we have something to say about them. And there's enough of a window between our recording show and it coming out that they're still available. Yeah, there's a lot of other good stuff. You should probably go and, and put it in a, um, put a reminder to check every week. But this time, there are actually two of them that uh, satisfy all these conditions. Uh, the first is Cyberpunk 2020. Well, Voice Roger is a fan or what? Um, I'm a fan of the setting until it got all self-indulgent and a bit dodgy at the end. But mo- but what you get here is not the self-indulgent stuff at the end. Right. This is, this uh, it, is got, the good it got period. very very meta plot, and the the GM's favourite named NPCs do all the important stuff, and the and the PCs just get to watch. Ah, I d- I took a brief look at it. There, I, I'm all right. I'll admit the only <clears> thing I looked at was the British. Um, source book, and then I only, uh, only lightly skimmed. I will admit, I like Queen Victoria the Second and and the corporate stroke military takeovers, but uh... it, it did do that unheard of thing for for a British source book for a near future game at the time, which was get an actual British person involved in writing I, it. I, I think Phil Masters got in with Kingdom of Champions. Uh, gets a gets a tick for a mention from us. True. Before but, that, I'm particularly remembering the Shadowrun one, which didn't, and it kind of showed. Yeah. Were but, there mountains in the middle of Nottinghamshire? Uh, so what, what you get is the core rules, which, well, okay, that they are fairly typical rules of the, of the early 90s, you know, D10 plus, stat plus, skill, all the usual bugs are there. Mm. I would use GURPS, obviously. Um, you get the Chromebooks, yeah. um, which are basically books of gear, and some, some of it breaks the game, some of it is just, here is a sensible idea. Again, it's very easy to cross-snap these into whatever system you're using because they're basically saying, okay, you know, here, here is a cyber finger which mm-hmm. does X. How heavy was the transhumanism here? Uh, not very. Uh, uploads were, were not an option, or at least not a reliable option. It was something something that might happen occasionally by accident, but it wasn't something you set out to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were certainly sapient AIs, but they were weird and strange. Yeah. As AIs should be. <clears throat> I mean, just look around you. The world is full of the bloody things. Yeah. They're all weird and strange, yeah. and they're all and they're always annoying, annoying you by doing things you haven't asked. It's very strange. So that's enough. To say, okay, that what I must admit, I think, is the real gem of this lot is yeah. the Night City source book. Uh, some of the other source books are pretty decent too, but the Night City was the first one I, I met that would detail every building, every street, every alley, mm-hmm. and that. Provides an, a nice coincidental adventure generation. You know, you're you're running away from from uh, Company X, 
and back, and back to your hideout, you know, five blocks away. And the what, only what way is you... through se- uh, Singh's uh, um, uh, second-hand cyberware. And what do you pass on the way? And, and um, you know, is is there a really fast service all-night gun store? And, Obviously, you you can improvise this to a certain extent and say, okay, you know, how lucky is the player? Is is there the thing they're looking for? But it, but there is a certain pleasing consistency to be able to say, okay, you're now going down X Street. You know X Street. You've been here before. For for the character, and it it is an archetype in Cyberpunk that comes pretty much directly from Noir, the character who knows every street and alley of the yeah. city. This lets them shine. So I, I like that. It, it's possibly a bit of extra work for the GM to plot out where things actually are, but it's yeah. a lot of fun. I do still want to run a cyberpunk campaign. Uh, the last one I posited seems to have been too depressing for the players, <laughs> and now in the last life of events of the last year looks desperately optimistic. Hmm. But, you know, hey. Well, the yeah, the corporate takeover is happening even as we speak. No, let's not go do politics. Speaking of doing politics, uh, the other thing we wanted to commend to you was a release on Bundle of Holding of just about everything there is for Pendragon. Um, even if you have um, most of the Pendragon, I, I did, um, there are a couple of things that may be new. First of all, the, there's a PDF of the latest edition, 5.2, of the mm-hmm. core rules. I've not actually reviewed how much difference they make. I don't suspect there isn't that much difference. I haven't spotted any obvious changes from, from 5.1, but... Uh... I'm, I'm told that there's there. a shiny, nice new cover, but hey. Um, and there's also uh, the book of Uther, which is mostly um, a book about the court of King Uther, about detailing out, out the social structures and the office holders and the personal interactions in a way that is quite heavy and, uh, and and quite detailed. This comes in at the perfect moment for my campaign since Uther died last session. <laughs> uh, there's also um, an outline of five years to be tacked onto the start of the campaign. Now, given that my campaign collapsed before even getting to um, the, the Boy King drawing the sword from the stone, um, this perhaps is not a... Uh, Actually, this is a this is a book I would have liked to have had at the start of the the period. It mm, would have yeah. breathed more life into some of the stuff that was going on um, in Uther's court. But my my knights, I think, didn't mind so much the um, the, the stuff, the courtly stuff, the the intriguing stuff, as getting stuck in battles um, part, <laughs> in, immensely. There is also all the material you could want or want for want, and all the material I complained about for the uh, for the new bat- for the more advanced battle systems. If you yeah, I'm, I'm not thing, entirely convinced of the, about the advanced battle system, but sometime I will sit down with the latest version and uh, force it into my head with, with a hydraulic press. <laughs> that didn't work for my group. I, I had a I had a second a player um, a big auxiliary GM, and we we still burned ourselves out on it. I'm afraid. I think to be fair, Greg Stafford is better at concepts and mood and yeah mythic feeling than he is at writing game mechanics. Yeah, I think Greg needs somebody to um, hit him. Um, Need somebody to, to to be in an edit, but I but the the whole creation of Pendragon is there, and it is magnificent. Yep, the, there are two separate offers, each of which has its own bonus level and so on as usual. Um, just the core offer with bonus gets you the main rules and the Great Pendragon campaign. Yeah, which is probably ninety percent plus of the actual referring to books that I do when running it. Uh, the other stuff is nice to have. I believe some of the adventures are technically for older editions, but really, it doesn't make a difference. It's not, no, it's the same D twenty based 
There are there, you, there, you can use the stats without modification. Yeah, the 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 rules will make a, a small variation, but 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 by all means, uh, if you haven't got Pendragon, get it. And if you have got Pendragon, go for the second bundle, which has new stuff in it. And finally, I I suppose this counts as things we do elsewhere. Um, this is one of his other hats. He has several. I'm going to be uh, guesting with Cthulhu Breakfast Club's next episode, which will be coming up probably somewhat later in this month. See yogsothoth.com for more details. What is a Cthulhu breakfast? I mean, what, what does Cthulhu have for breakfast? Well, the, the presenters, mostly. <laughs> right. Uh, essentially, it, it is an in, informal uh, chat about game, Cthulhu-related, gaming-related news, either or both. And on this particular occasion, is will will be coming from the British Museum. Oh, wow! So you so so the sounds there will be desperately important and authentic. And if we, if we can't record where where we're planned, I'm I'm told that uh, Paul knows all, all sorts of obscure basements. And if if he invites me into an obscure basement, well, you know where I went. I have life insurance. <laughs> yeah, your mission, should you decide to accept it, is to recover Roger Bell West from the basement of the British Museum. As I mentioned, I have recently come to an end, a forced end, of a Pendragon campaign, and looking around for something to uh, replace it, I naturally did a prospectus and put in front of my players the various things I felt we might do, and naturally, this being the way of players, they chose the thing I was least expecting them to. Mm-hmm. Um, this was, I've had for some time, and it wasn't just for the uh, system I ended up with, which was in Nomine, the idea of running a game set over a great stretch of time. I have access to a series of uh, children's um, educational books, which depict a series of fictional cities. Uh, I think I've met one of these. Yeah, uh, Barmy. You mm. played in the game, set it in Barmy. And I said, to, and I've been thinking about doing this. I have various setups for it, but it was the nominee one that they went for. Um, and basically, I said to them, "Look, you will be a group of angels who, from time to time, are sent to a particular city in various points in its history um, to solve problems." This has the benefit of there being only fourteen um, depictions of the city <laughs> in the book, so. There can be 14 adventures, and I, I've time-bound the whole thing. It's not going to go on forever. I know how and long you're going it's... to do them in order, right? I'm going to do them in order. There was an option. I did consider doing a time-hopping one. Maybe I'll do that at another time with another group. But um, this one, we have, um, we have uh, a sequence, because that matters. And angels don't time-travel, apparently. <laughs> if there is an angel of time-travel... Well... Presumably, as eternal beings, they, they don't so much time travel as exi- exist at least partly outside time anyway. Yeah, no, I don't. I think that may be God, who may who is far in the background in, in Nominate, but um, <laughs> but it's not them. They 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 have sequence. But I say you're a group of angels working for various bosses. You're going to be going back to this city. It's going to happen with gaps of initially thousands of years between um, the uh, the 
very first uh, Neolithic and Paleolithic um, hunter-gatherers and villagers, and then uh, hundreds of years, um, and then uh, tens. Mm-hmm. As as we accelerate towards towards the present, uh, things get more lively. The city expands more, but they go back because they have this reputation of being tied in with the city, and hopefully they get tied in with the mythology of the city and the stories that the city dwellers tell about about their past. Now, when you first mentioned this to me, my immediate thought was Nephilim, which I've not actually played, but I have read. Um, though what that seems to do, as far as I could tell, is basically start with a modern setting and then say, well, you've had these past lives, yeah. which you mostly set up in character generation. And, yeah. and then, then at some point you say, well, you know, in, in this past life I could have learned X. Yeah, well, and, this, and I've this, now recovered uh, this, this memory. Is, this is, well, I, I felt Nephilim was both cheating and dull. To be honest, <laughs> um, I, 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 the fact that you 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 have to the, the the canonical setup is to lie to the to, to the players about what is really going on with them. No, no, Nephilim is is is, is irrelevant. Though there are Nephilim in the game, um, a different sort of a different sort of Nephilim offspring of the of uh, of some rebel angels and humans, and they they get around and cause problems. Um, so my problem is, given that the game system is designed for a game in which player characters um, go in contemporary time closely together, there is such a thing as learning and logical progression, and, and you're not looking at great swathes of time. How do I adapt the system to this? To a degree, I had to go back and look at the history, the official history of the game and say some archangels are not yet 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 archangels mm-hmm. some archangels are not yet dead um some are some archangels are not yet fallen some angels are not yet fallen we give the i i try to i'm trying to stick because i'm that sort of anal retentive idiot um to the to the official um to the official timeline, though I think I've violated it at least once already. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking of the World War II campaign in, in which uh, Himmler was executed after the 20th of July plot for reasons which are not yet clear. And this, this is having a slight in, impact on, on the final final year or so of the war. I, I couldn't happen to a nicer chap. Um, all I think I've managed to do is promote the Angel of Revelations about, about a, a millennium early, but it's not... <laughs> <laughs> all right. My other thing was to say, right, angels in, are, have come down from heaven to earth and they are given bodies, uh, vessels, uh, in which to wander about. Some of them can possess humans, but they're, they're a separate problem. And they're given roles sometimes in the, um, in, in, in the human world. They turn up and they are a respected cop or a noted psychiatrist. And they've been woven into the pattern. Mm-hmm. Now, I oh, it would be so much easier if I could do that in Infinite Worlds. <laughs> well, quite. I think I'm, I, I'm assuming that the demons have to do it um, by careful manipulation of records, but uh, but the but the Archangel of Destiny can do it by careful manipulation of reality, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, seems to be to be his privilege. So, instead of tying them down to specific roles and specific bodies, I say, you've got this amount of credit. You've got a pool. You can create what you need for this particular mission. And therefore, 
you're not you're 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 not going to be there permanently. You're coming and going. You're appearing and disappearing. You're doing your wondrous things and then going away. Mm-hmm. So that made sense. Then I told them, you're going to get this many character points every end of every adventure. It's a set amount. So you and you may get a one or two point bonus. Pardon me, but this is a set amount intended to stretch you out so that by the end of the campaign, you are really you are going to be really significant uh, um, angels. Maybe even word bound. Maybe even likely to become archangels one day. But you are becoming um, really important by the end of the game. Of course, you will see other other non-player characters become much more um, advanced than you are, much faster. But you go, I have to grit your teeth and live with that. It seems to me that one one big question here is what are they up to in the times between games? Because and all right, all right, not everybody is an obsessive self improvement freak the way GURPS characters tend to be, and they say, "Ooh, I I, I have seventeen hours free this week. I'm, I'm going to spend that entire yeah. time researching ancient Sumerian history." But, well, uh, yeah, I'm I'm assuming <coughs> that the the big chunk of EXP they're getting is stuff they got from from doing other stuff from being. Just be uh, being uh, doing their regular regular job. They're not even a regular team. They get pulled together mm-hmm. to do these special missions because destiny says they must. It did occur to me, look, looking at this idea, that it's slightly reminiscent of Microscope in that you have the, yes, ge- the general is. flow of events and then the specific things. And I'm, I'm wondering whether you could usefully steal from that. At, oh, le- at least to get get an idea of here, here are some things that should be written down. Um, because... Obviously, you, you're going to do it your way, but mm. the, the first thing that seems to me a, a way of doing it is to say, this this is an important decision point in the history of the city. Which way is it going to go? You guys yeah. get to put your finger on the scales. They do. I mean, well, yes, they are there for important points. They're not, they're not going to be called in for the day-to-day maintenance of the city. There is a rather uh, baffled uh, cherub who's in, who, is the, who is the angel of the city, and who calls them in and saying, "Oh gosh, has that been going on? I, I never noticed." He's very devoted, but not very bright. I'm sure we had some cheesemakers last week. Ah, <laughs> oh, they've just been blessed. The I take I take your point. One of the things I should probably do is ask my players. Now you don't mention it. Is ask my players, "What are you doing in this time span?" I've been giving them the 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 bulk briefing, um, the information drop of um, what's been happening in, in official history. Oh, and by the way, um, uh, uh, this uh, this archangel is off encouraging Zoroastrianism this week, <laughs> uh, the, the, for this period, or um, yes, yes, God has decided on which people he's chosen. Didn't you get the memo? Um, and as the next one's going to involve Alexander the Gr- uh, some demons trying to Trying to tempt Alexander, uh, Alexander the Great to attack Judea, <laughs> that may be important. They've chosen up. Ah, I should have mentioned this at the start. They chose out of the raft of uh, various cities um, one called Um El Mayadan, which is a North African city, and its current title means Mother of Cities. So that's the the name of the, of the campaign. Mm-hmm. So they are going to be they're going to see the various. Um, what 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 they call Abrahamic faiths go uh, go by um, yeah. at the moment 
they are there. There is the fact that the Baal really, really wants to corrupt all of the Phoenician temples into his worship. Um, but uh, uh, I made mistakes, I must say, I always do, setting up the demons in the first few episodes. It's not a simple system. And mm-hmm. um, the fact is that I, I, I overestimated how tough the monsters I was throwing at them were. I, I, barely, I barely skimmed their surface. <laughs> it doesn't help that the leader of the party is a pacifist uh, seraph who projects a, a field of um, peace and love and calmness around her. I'm sure if we just talk about this like civilised people... Yeah, that's the term. Nobody needs to have their, not, their guts pulled out through anybody's nostrils. Um, and they, they've, they've encountered some big players and been in the side events of some big events. But from now on, I'm sort of trying to make it about the city uh, rather than about the great grand story of the of the campaign. Nothing well, is surely in the context of this campaign; those are essentially the same thing, or they should be very closely tied together. Well, yeah, but they are they're not they're not going to be present at the, at any of the major events. They're not going to be in Mecca. They're not going to be in Jerusalem. No, what, what I mean is the grand story of this campaign. Yeah. Is the story of the city. It's true. I'm really hoping that I can find a good way to tie in the primitive early myths of the city into the later period pagan stories and then on into uh, Christianity and Islam. Mm-hmm. We There's a point at which they're going to have to deal, I'm going to have to work around and they're going to have to deal with the conquest of a North African Christian city by Islam and how do they react to that I don't think this is going to be a political pro- it might tempt some of them to fall I would, it's sadistic of me but I'd really like to see some of the angels be tempted to fall by their perfection which if there is, is no temptation there is no temptation well if there, if there is no the the they, they there, won't. There, there is no strength in resisting that which you don't have to try to resist. True. If I can find proper conflicts, then uh, there is a Malachim, a warrior angel, and they never fall, but they could be bent and broken a bit. <laughs> and I'm not. I'm not quite sure. They're going to. I know that some of my players are going to whine at me when I when I give them the uh, the uncomfortable choices, but they're going to get them anyway. Is there a general theory we can have about um, really, really long-term uh, games like this? Are there any general comments? Anything that I've missed? I think you need to have some sort of simulation, whether this is formal with stats and numbers and things, or just here is how I think things are going to happen. Mm. You, you, some, some way of saying, okay, here, here is what the state was when the PCs blipped out of existence last time. Yeah. Here is here is a five hundred year gap. How do those events progress? This strikes me as very much the same toolkit you you use if you're writing alternate history. You know, yeah. this thing has changed. How do things descend from that? Well, bear in mind that I am tied to what the the book represents. I've got panoramas of the city in each age, and the the architecture changes, and things you recognised before are built over. They're currently. About a fight over the 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 cave of the shaman who that who who was suborned by Lilith in their very first adventure, <laughs> and um, that is that they've just noticed after three adventures that that's the he- hellbound tether, the route to the route to and from hell in the city, 
if they can take it out, it'll be a major thing, but there will be another one later. It will mm. complicate things. Natural. It, it, at the moment... It, it seems to me one, one of your problems here is you, you've got an intrinsic distancing effect because, at least in terms of the human NPCs, they aren't going to be around for the next adventure. No. And you, you've got presumably angelic, demonic NPCs who can recur. And they will, yeah. Um, Lilith has annoyed them twice. And vice versa, it must be said. Possibly because I, I don't really get on with the, the cosmology particularly. I haven't read it in detail. It, it seems to me that it would be interesting to have the enduring human things as well. They're probably going to be ideas rather than people. Oh, yeah, yeah. Here, here, here is this seed that, w- that was just a t- what, you know, what one guy ranting in a pub last time. And, and now, oh, it's, now nice. it's important. Yeah, the, they have... I, I need yeah at the moment they have been involved in um, in courtly matters mostly and they're probably going to be involved in courtly matters next time as well but I should get them down in the dirt in, um, amongst the bars and the uh, uh, and the and the and the, uh, and the brothels and that sort of thing I should um, yeah they the one one thing they've been doing is fighting against uh, Against the institution of slavery, which has come up several times, it's not going to, that the the city's tradition not to do that sort of thing is not going to survive the Islamic invasion. But hey, mm-hmm. if it really shouldn't invite, actually, it shouldn't survive the the Romans taking over. But that's going to happen while they're not there. <laughs> so yeah, I think so. Going going all right so far. Going all right so far. Um, are there any other sorts of really long-lived adventures, that uh, really long-lived uh, characters and campaigns we could go with? I mean, we could do something like um, like, like uh, one one could do something like uh, Microscope does to flash into it, but. It might be possible to do that on a more formal and grander scale than the, the little scenes microscope. Microscope? Because I want to say Microsoft. Microscope does. Um, and and perhaps run it with something like Fate, a, qu- a quick a quick setup system. Well, it seems to me that there's a three-way split here. Yeah. Uh, what, what is your continuing thread? Is it uh, a characters who are simply there all the time and are simply not being played for extended periods of the history? Mm. Is it characters who blip in and out, as, as you have here? Or is it uh, no continuing characters but some sort of continuing idea, which I think would be harder? It would be harder. It might be more satisfying. But it would be harder. Time tra- there, there have certainly been stories of the, the immortal yeah. living living through history and, and then, then the book deals with a few incidents along the way. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen that as a group story, but then most books are single protagonist anyway. Well, they're very early on in the uh, in the uh, history of role playing. There was uh, GURPS uh, horse clans, which had the possibility of that. There was a subset of immortal, semi unkillable characters um, in that, and there was the possibility to play one of those who keeps, uh, perhaps a group of those who keep wandering in, in and out. Mm, but I, it's I think. That that 
it militates against the standard gaming convention of the relatively static world because you know, if, if you had your generic fantasy world yeah. and, and a bunch of heroes who pop back every hundred or thousand years, it's going to look just the same. That that doesn't it doesn't contribute yeah. anything to the story. That's well, the fact that ge- the generic fantasy worlds are so unchangeable is 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 a strain upon everybody's credulity. Yeah, so so I think you have to have. Not, not even a world that is changeable, but a world in which the change is one of the important things about what, what's going on. Yeah, it does mean that... Because, as I say, you're distancing with, with NPCs and so on, not surviving. Yeah. You, you need that continuing thread. I think, I think that the problem here... What I have here seems to be a balance between the great man theory and the ineluctable forces theory. They are coming, popping into this particular location and being the great men at moments of crisis... But a hell of a lot of stuff is going on in the background. There's other, perhaps uh, unnamed angels, are out there doing their thing, and things gradually develop, and things out, are out of their control. They are not. They are not great movers and shakers, except in this particular context. It probably helps to avoid the old white wolf problem of the the supernatural beings were responsible for everything. Mere boring old humans didn't achieve anything on their own because they because they all were actually secretly vampires, werewolves, mages, whatever. Yeah, no, no, yes and no. There is a danger within Nomine that it degenerates into um, superheroes with wings. <laughs> or, or, or rather halos, some of them don't have wings. All right, uh, let's pause. If anybody of you can think of any other examples of really long stretches of time or setups which could could be used on this, I'd really like to hear from you. Listener Anthony Shostak asks, In a podcast a few months ago, we discussed a time travel mission and invited listeners to suggest new assignments. So what game, or kernel of a game, would we take back, to what point in time, and to whom would we show it, in order to change history for the benefit of RPG devotees? Ooh. Well, first of all, I'd like to say that the point of intervention I would go for, the person I would go for, would be Dave Arneson. Mm. Rather than Gygax, I mean, yeah, Gygax was, he did some very important things, and he was the commercial mind behind the first wave of RPGs. But Arnson, I think, from the reports of his style of gaming, would have uh, been a good person to have gone to. And the other one person I might have gone to would be uh, Professor Barker. Mm. Because he already had Techimel together, and... If I could show, yes, but, but even now we haven't got a rule system that does a good job of it. Yeah, but uh, there are rule systems that would do a better job of it than the stuff that that has been produced. <laughs> um, if only I could get him to do the work. Is <laughs> is is my thought? Um, yeah, I, I think if if you um, have a more Arnesonian evolution of RPGs, then you probably get a lot more of the wild, wild and woolly, and anything can happen. Mm. Rather than the more rigid, I, I I mostly see this is coming in with AD and D because that was one of the things that was designed for was to be an explicit constrained tournament rule set. Yeah. Rather than the D and D, yeah, all right, you're a dragon now. <laughs> well, there there is a tension, and there still is a tension between the wargaming bits 
and the story and the story based bits and between simulationism and uh, and all the other tensions and simulationism we um, we on this podcast i think how to find simulationism uh, a valuable tool it's not the whole mm. thing but it is it's it's it's, it's a grounding something I like. effect. I, I I like a rules framework that says this happens because batteries have that much energy in them, rather than this happens because it's what's right for the story. Yeah, I, I want the story to fall from the reality. So you're going to take GURPS back, aren't you? Yeah, it's it's a boring answer, but yeah. Um, what what I would actually like to do, just just as purely as a matter of interest, is to take a modern GURPS to Steve Jackson in 1985. Um. And say, Be- because there, there have been a lot of dead ends and th- things that turned out to be mistakes when they were played by thousands of people. Yeah, I'm, and, and those have largely been fixed. So if yeah. you start at that point, though like, obviously with less in the way of illustrations because it's a full colour book and you can't afford those yeah. in 1985. Um, yeah, I, I like having one core system for all play. I, I like the cons- the thing that GURPS in particular does is say, right, here are lots and lots and lots of rules. And now the first thing the GM needs to do is define the subset he's actually going to use. Yeah. And this still confuses people now. You get people coming onto the forums saying, you know, my my GM has said we're doing this sort of thing. Um, What what, what are some really neat powers I can get? Well, that depends on what the GM is allowing. Yeah. But uh, but the answer should be, here's what you might be able to con him into. (laughs) I am now thinking about... uh, RuneQuest is a big step forward. Is it enough of a step forward to take it back to Arnson and say, "Here, try this"? A modern RuneQuest, I would, I would, I would be thinking, something that you, that uh, uses can use designed characters because random generation of characters never made any damn sense. Really. Yeah, I've, I've never seen the point of it. I know I'm, there are people now who still think it's a great thing. I don't well, see it myself. Well, I, actually, the only the only game system I, I really like it in is Rain. And that perhaps, oh, is... to be fair, Gerps Goblins really requires random right. character generation. Fair enough. Um, but I might, I would really, given that I my 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 uh, Reign of the Petal Throne camp, uh, uh, project is uh, thoroughly jammed uh, up against the the magic system um, at the moment, I would I would probably take uh, Rain back to Professor Barker and say, here, could you make use of this? You're all about you're all about the great. Social structures of the of the the empire and how social status matters and um, would this be of use to you in plotting the um, in plotting the the, the way the the characters grow and their their band grows. I'm th- thinking of role playing in the eighties, at least such of it as I remember. As there was an awful lot of stuff at the time. Which appealed to what one might call the obsessive stat optimizing engineer type, and I certainly include myself in this. Not not just in the role playing side, and games like BattleTech and Cold Wars, where where you design your own units at great length Mm. with spreadsheets, or at least if you're me, with spreadsheets, (laughs) uh, were yeah. There was clearly an an unmet need at that point because they were very popular. It's the it's the model railway. Part of part of, and, and most of this went into computing, and a lot of the people who did that then will now play computer games and be quite happy with that. Yeah, but what? So what? What I see RPGs doing in that sense is, is first of all, when when they first get really popular, appeal to those people, mm. and then later on, largely to be fair, with White Wolf branch out more to, more to the art and, art and storytelling and so on. Yeah, 
Now, I would like to fix this. That means fixing the two cultures problem. But uh, but failing that, I would I would like to see an RPG hobby that starts with less of the wargaming. I'll admit I like wargaming, but I like it as its own thing. Yeah. Um, and more more of the storytelling, but at the same time with some sort of grounding in reality. The question is whom one goes to to make this happen, and that's rather harder. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm. Well, actually, taking RuneQuest back a couple of years isn't going to make that much difference. But taking back a more modern RuneQuest a couple of years, uh, but but then the, I, I believe the, the 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 next iteration RuneQuest Glorantha is going to be. Very much a best of the old style and of the and of the new well, new seems, style. Seems to be working for D and D. Well, the yeah, the things are. Yeah, I, you might want to take one of the one of the modern iterations of a old style system back and say, "Here, try this." I am. Um, this is Steve we Perrin. Come on to in the next segment yeah, as well. Steve Perrin. Um, I don't know how delighted they would they would be. I certainly think I would like to give Greg Stafford some warnings about Pendragon, as we said earlier. But um, and and warn him, I warn him. Yes, this is glorious, but you're going to need somebody to help you with this. You you can't do it all on your own. Here is how probability works. Here is how probability works when there are player characters involved. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure if I'd take back any of the really um, storytelling hand wavy. Systems back to that to that date and time. There would be people who who would like it, but I. Well, it's entirely possible that role playing could have grown first out of improvisational theatre rather than out of wargaming. Improvisational theatre does not um, does not have the competitive does not have the gamey thing mostly. Yeah, but what but what happens if if that's where it gets its start in the nineteen eighties? It's dismissed as a fringe hobby for the, for those weird arty types. Hmm. And then in the 1990s, some, something comes along and it then becomes popular among the technical ones as well. I think you have to write... You, you would have to write the wave of interest in fantasy in the late 60s and early 70s. The the, the lo- popularity yeah, of the... I, lo- I'm always more interested in SF than fantasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, 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 so so I'm, I'm wondering if you, you can... You can take the um, late sixties. Star Trek has just been cancelled. Yeah, lot of lot of people feeling frustrated about that, and then say, "Right now, you can tell more Star Trek I, stories, and then you can go on and build your own actually, universe." Actually, that's a cu- that's a cunning that is a cunning plan. Actually, from uh, from a certain point of view, no, fan fi- fanfic of, already exists. Noble some of the big name fanfic writers, the people who are doing appers and things, and who are going to get who are going to say, "Hey, I've just I've just tried this new thing. It's great fun." Actually, yes, that is. Uh, let's get uh, let's get to Lee Gold early. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I, uh, let's uh, start start uh, rooting something in the fanfic uh, audience. And and yes, um, the the because I, I get the impression that there there are things called sims that are still happening out there, which, as far as I can see, are basically outsider art role playing. That they, they are role playing mm. by people who've never heard of role playing games. Hmm. People have their own characters. They don't have stats. They they just have to narrate what happens. Yeah, and and with uh, with appers and with uh, uh, you you have a, a some of the early play by post uh, board game war game magazines had a lot of uh, background narrative worked into it. 
Um, it, oh, I, and yeah. and what and what an early early success that we could improve on would be on guard. Um, yep. On guard has never been really revised. It really could use it to a, <laughs> uh, to become into a modern age. But if you can use the basis of uh, play by post um, things to to build up the idea of role playing and character background and what used to be called blue booking. Yeah, I'm also thinking. I, one of the ways to get people into role playing is to say, here, here is this gamey framework. You you can just do stuff in, and you can just say, okay, you know, go here, roll the dice. Yeah, and then you can start narrating special effects. Hmm. Um, you know, the, the dwarf says, ha ha, and my axe, and I want some beer later, and so. Yeah. And that can that can come out of almost anything. I mean, I I, I have seen old postal diplomacy zines. Hmm. Where where people were were uh, conducting um, torrid affairs among the ambassadorial class. Slobovia, Slobovia forever. <laughs> um, I'll put, yeah, put a reference in the, in the notes. Um, the and, and that is that again. That is, is that is that is that is role playing, and and that is and that is a source for encouraging people to try out this strange new thing. Would you? I, I think. Ah, okay. Now here's the thing. I think any any of these things will benefit from a really lightweight system. Yeah, um, well, you want a lightweight system, but yeah, yeah, just, but you, just a base. Some, uh, some something like fudge would actually do quite well. I say mm. fudge rather than fate because I understand it better, and you don't, and yeah. you don't have the aspects and things. But something that just says, okay, you know, I am very good at being a pilot. I am fairly terrible at talking to the opposite sex. Yeah, whatever. My viewpoint on fudge is: I think I understand it, but I'm not interested. Um, and on fate is I I'm interested, but I don't think I understand it. I have successfully worked worked with Fudge to um, run a game. Uh, it was as good a generic system as was was out there at the time. Uh, these days I'd use GURPS instead, but GURPS is a low barrier to entry for me. If we if we're talking to, talking to people in the seventies or eighties, yeah, there's a lot of GURPS, even in the early days of GURPS. There's a lot of GURPS. Uh, I do I. I, I never felt it were, it was in indigestible chunks. Well, until fourth edition came along, and then I had a bit of a burp. <laughs> I'm not sure fourth edition isn't too much for uh, the 1980s to absorb all at once. That yeah, I'm, I'm not suggesting we should publish that. I'm suggesting we should, we should give it to Steve. Uh, right, uh, make it his problem, and and he then breaks that up into individual books and whatever. But without necessarily uh, make, making the full starts of earlier editions, that's, yeah. that's what I'm guessing at really. Yeah. Well, partic- particularly things like, yeah, you're going to want to introduce powers to do this. You can introduce them individually in the world books, or you can say, right, here is the skeleton of all these powers, and then they, then you develop them in the world books, hmm. so that you don't, so you then don't need a compendium volume. Yeah, things the like compendium that. did boggle a large number of people's minds along the way. I I would say I don't know if Dave Arnson would react to anything that wasn't militarily focused or at least um fighting focused. Mm. But there is a lot of there are a lot of fun things you can do with dungeons. Um but I want the I want Professor Barker to be in there early on because I want it to expand outside the dungeon very early as well. Ah oh, now here's a perverse thing to do. Oh, take take a lightweight um, board-based war game, of which there are an awful lot now, which is about people going out into a dungeon and bashing things. Yeah, make that unaccountably popular in the mid seventies. So, so that when role playing comes along, it ha- it has to do more than just 
here is a small-scale war game, because the small-scale war game is already there. Ooh, you're right, that is a perverse thing to do. And if I could make things uh, uh, magically popular, I would do it in the current day. Believe me, I would. Well, I think that's largely happened with, with uh, computer Yes, RPGs. true. People who just want to go down a dungeon and bash things do not need to get together with physical other people and sit around a table anymore. And that's another area where we could show the result of people having done it right after a while um, and improve the earlier adoption of uh, computers to RPGs. Yeah, well, let's as not... RPG aids rather than as games in themselves. Yeah, let's just, let's just shoot the people who started calling uh, computer RPGs RPGs. Because they weren't. They they were purely war games. Yeah, dash true. it all. <laughs> well, that, that, there were skirmish. Well, there were there were uh, there were first person shooters at the at the at the best. Well, par- party based. Yeah, so, but yeah, the, the, there was no actual role playing involved. You didn't even get the chance to say and my axe. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is true. Um, on the other hand, wandering around wandering around in Dungeon Master and getting hit on the head by doors was quite fun. Mm. More fun to make monsters get hit on there by doors, I seem to recall. But and then eat them. And then eat them. Yum. All right. Have we? Have we? Have we? Have we uh, briefed the 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 uh, time incorporated people to go back and improve our lives retroactively? Well, well they're, they're shaking their fists at us and asking for more details, but tough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that, but, that, that's what it's like when we're top management. Yeah, we're consultants. We're we're uh, we're, we're not actually to make uh, planning to make this profitable for for anybody. But yeah, something like HeroQuest. That would be really quite Ooh. interesting. I, I mean the HeroQuest, the board game, the Games Workshop thing. All right, I'm sorry. I was thinking of the role-playing game. Put, going... put, put that out in the late 70s, or something like it. Yeah, Dungeon Descent, or whatever it's called. Yeah. You couldn't afford the minis, but... Well, right, but yeah. <laughs> that, ca- that comes in, in the Kickstarter d- uh, 50th anniversary <laughs> edition. But yes, um, we we will uh, we we recommend to those of you who are planning to inter- intervene in the time stream to do it mul- in multiple and complex ways. Um, and also, put everything in version control. Trust me on this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, back up your universities. Back them up regularly. Valued listener Brett Evel sent an extensive look at tech levels, starting off by pointing out when he was reading uh, old books in the 1970s, there was an obvious difference between Sherlock Holmes, which was antiquated because they had telegrams and letters and hansom cabs and revolvers, Mm -hmm. versus the saint. They had telephones and cars and automatic pistols and things. And then then he read a story, The Art of Alibi, where someone steals a high performance experimental fighter plane and the saint outflies it in a tiger moth. Because that high-performance experimental fighter plane is still a cloth-covered biplane. Um. And his Hirondelle has running boards. All right. And that, that's a tech-level difference. So they're not necessarily as obvious as, as, you, as you think they are. Or sometimes yeah. they're more obvious. So I think tech-levels come in with Traveller. Yeah, I, think, I seem to recall that. Because why was always a bit of a puzzle. Well, I, I, I went and had a look. And in Traveller Book 2... Yeah. What they seem to be saying is that this is the best that local industry can produce. Yeah. Um, and anything anything more than that has to be imported. Mm-hmm. So what that says to me, really, is that a low-tech planet should look like a backward country. 
Yeah, it should be the third world of the of the of the Imperium. It should be the place where if you've got anything high tech, it's it's fifty years old and was abandoned there. Or you're very very rich. Yeah, but particularly when they were pre firearms tech levels, they often ended up looking like historic reenactment worlds instead. Yeah, well, because there are there are a lot of Scardians around, and they wanted, yeah. I think there are very few people who will voluntarily choose to live without flush toilets for the rest of their lives. I believe this is to be the this, this is the case. Yeah, yeah. This is traveller. People travel. Okay, maybe maybe PCs are exceptional in that, but a, a low passage is only a thousand credits, and the chances are you'll come out the other end of it alive. Yeah. The uh, yeah. So why? Yeah, but there is there is only so, so much. So, so I think this is a basic misinterpretation of tech levels, which got yeah. propagated. Um, universe copied tech levels. I don't, I don't know anybody who actually played Universe, uh, because there were other SFRPGs that just said here is our, here is our single setting, so mm. they didn't need tech levels. You know, Space eighteen eighty nine. Yeah, um, this is what Star is available. Wars, yeah, Star Trek. The, the, here is our here is our tech ca- here is our equipment catalogue. So the, then you get GURPS and. I think GURPS canonicalized the traveller error by say by saying, okay, our tech levels are the the development of science, what what can be done. Yeah. And that's what people have been doing anyway with traveller. And so GURPS has well, because GURPS is being generic, it it, it has time travel, it has infinite worlds. Yeah. And at that point you have to say, Okay, here, here is the best that they have in this entire world. And then we come into it with our skills from three tech levels higher, and we, we try to mend their local car, and what, what penalty do we have, and things like that. Yeah. Traveller tech levels, of course, ha- have a progression of future tech, you know, jump drives and yeah. magic space drives and so on. GURPS up to third edition does that too. GURPS fourth makes a change that I must admit rubbed me the wrong way at first, but now I've rather come to like, which is separating the stuff that we can reasonably build or expect to build in the future based on the theories we have now, we just can't do it yet, from the stuff our current theory says cannot be done. Because that, that needs a new theory, and, and if a new theory is going to make that happen, it could happen tomorrow or it could happen in 500 years' time. Yeah, You, you can't say a jump drive is TL10. You can say it's, it's TL super science, and maybe in this setting it's TL10. Yeah. Well, they, 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 do, uh, they do start... Uh, Talking about variant tech levels, about being higher in tech levels, say in bio- biology than in physics, or biology than than than, than, uh, than building starships. If you can, if you can get immortality for your species, then that's clearly a high tech level achievement. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean you've got flush toilets. At least you don't need flush toilets if you're immortal. Well, I think you don't do something with. Yeah. Well. I think something's got lost in here because um, let, let's, let's say you, know, you have your comprehensive modern technical library and throw it back to somebody in 1900. Okay. Um, now, obviously that can, that can enhance their science in the long term, but right then, immediately they've got, they've got a whole bunch of designs which have been improved over the years. The dead ends have been dealt with. Yeah. We, we know how to make now an automatic pistol, or a car, or propelling pencil, yeah. in a way that works reliably and is relatively robust against manufacturing errors. Yeah. So, you know, 
No, no, same thing happens in a post-apocalyptic form of technology setting. Mm. Smash the world tomorrow, and people are trying to do what they can. Nobody is ever going to make a broom-handled Mauser if yeah. they've got the plans for for a modern. Yeah, nobody. Well, yeah, because I... because it, it's just as easy in terms of the machine tools you need. You you know you don't need the advanced alloys or whatever, though that helps. It's just a better design. The, well, I think this comes so, back. So, so there, you've, you've got the idea that a low-tech planet do, doesn't need to look like historical reenactment. I, I don't know. The, the, we come back to the, the what, what a society can support. Um, what I don't know how much um, goes into making a modern flush toilet. I can guess. But I don't know the details of the ceramics. I don't know the details of the of the support system for for the man, manufacture of each subsystem. Uh, how how much do you need to build first before you can uh, you can build that big porcelain thing? I think I understand how the the metals uh, in the uh, in the uh, in, in, in the handle and the and the levers inside uh, work, but. And how that how they're obtained in a general sort of a way, but I don't understand how the plastics work. I don't understand how the ceramics were put were put to put together, and how they're made so so reliably and so cheaply. Though, if you have the shapes, I think I think a craftsman of the earlier era yeah. can can make the shapes. He won't have the same materials. Well, uh, well, they they had Elizabethan uh, flush toilets are Elizabethan hmm. in origin, though. Though they were incredibly expensive and not as convenient or good, the the hardest thing to replicate, I suspect, would be the rubber valve seals. Mm. If if you're pre-importation uh, of rubber, yeah. Well, if you can't if you can't du- duplicate that, but but the point but the point is, it would be a separate. Se- what we have now is a set of instructions to our society now, which we could take back and dump on somebody else. But it's not a set of instructions to a society then, just as modern Western uh, modern Western tech isn't a set of instructions to the third world societies how to do it, because they can't. The bits of our planet that have been necessary to building up Western technology have been um, expropriated and used and and sat upon by the people who've already done it. So the problem with the, the third world countries is slightly different. And you probably have to invent new things in order to bring them up to an equivalent standard. Yeah, I think things like um, solar charging radios. Yeah, uh, ba- wind-up battery radios. Because that's that's mm-hmm. weird. Um, and, but, uh, and some things they can import directly. The mobile phone goes perfectly well into a third world country, only in need of the towers and our and rejected... And in fact it works rather better than landlines. It does, yeah. Um, and is, is pr- proving a big jump, but on the other hand, toilets are harder. Yeah, what, one thing that do, does um, occur to me is a, a lot of the games have lots of 20th century-ish tech levels. Yeah, because... Po- possibly because the authors are familiar with them. Yeah. But if you combine that with a random world generation system... You get 1920s world, 1940s world, 1970s world. So why do those worlds not do what the actual 1920s, 1940s, 1970s did and simply advance over a space of 10 years? Yeah, that is... Well, it's, it's part of the problem we were touching on earlier, the, the, strain, the strange, unchanging nature of RPG settings. Because 
advancing things is desperately c complicated. Look at look at Bainstorm. Even just advancing the writing an updated timeline, take account of all the adventures you you put into the previous edition. <laughs> we're we're, we're which, back to um, which are, writing alternate worlds, aren't we? Yeah, uh, um, you can, there, there there are uh, there are one two three four five six maybe major major unresolved plots I can think of off the top of my head in 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 the last edition of Bainstorm because they were set up to be adventure hooks and they and every campaign uh, worth its salt will have will have dealt with at least two or three of those um, but there are uh, but making a new one is is hard so so people want to keep it 1970s world or 1940s world I don't know what makes it uh, and then and then what they do is they invent cyberpunk so they can have 1930s noir with nice new shiny technology, which is just <laughs> bloody perverse. If we're going to be miserable in the 21st century, we're going to be miserable in a different way from the 1930s. I sincerely hope, touch wood. You, using the my current space game as an example, Wives yeah. and Sweethearts, Partly because I was using GURPS Space, which talks a lot about uh, colonization levels, but not about tech levels explicitly. Yeah. Um, it, what, what I've basically done is it, there, there is the campaign-wide tech level setting. Yeah. Which says, you know, what, what space drives exist. But an individual planet isn't low or high tech as much as it is rich or poor, which is a function of population, economic development, various yeah. other things. Even a poor planet has relatively affordable interstellar shipping and 3D printers, or whatever they call them by then. Maybe not outside the spaceport much, but in the back... in the, they're, they're, you, you would get a, a, a core of, of settled land gradually building out, uh, flushing out to the, um, to the, to, to the boondocks. But well, if it's it, agricultural, at least, if, or mining or something like that. Yeah. If, there's, if there's stuff worth going to an unclaimed bit of planet for... Yeah. Uh, which, but, may, which may simply be, I hate everybody, leave me alone, of course. True. Um, Not but, that I feel that way ever uh, at all. Or we're going to build our perfect society, uh, leave us alone. But lo looking at the cost of shipping a bunch of colonists, yeah. just in terms of interstellar freight per mass, uh, let, let, let's say you're throwing uh, 10,000 people. Hmm. So what's that? Um, 700,000 kilograms plus luggage. Um, you can do this in his head, folks. <laughs> assuming they're of relatively sedentary disposition. Yeah. Uh, but if if you're shipping that sort of mass, then the additional mass for a bunch of weather control satellites is really quite small. Um, my my assumption is that there is an orbital port pretty much everywhere. Yeah. Because an orbital port is basically a bunch of tin boxes. Yeah, I'm, uh, easily added to, easily, easily subtracted to, easily blown up in wartime. And similarly, um, what, whatever the locals have as an armed security force, if they have one at all, it's going to be armed with um, laser pistols, not submachine guns or swords. It's going to be, it's going to be armed with uh, with war surplus la laser pistols, um, or or maybe what if they're part of a, a government, what, whatever the second rank. Um, Reserve, reserve regiments are getting this year. Yeah, so everything looks similar on the surface, but maybe the port is bustling and well-maintained and you know, ships are going through it all the time, or maybe there are great chilly echoing halls with mould growing in the corner and don't step through there so the air seal has perished. You haven't actually seen any of the, of the rotten bits of, the, of that setting yet, but, but from our point of view, we're, we're concerned with the culture of the Navy. 
and yeah. and not the culture of the well the culture of the individual planets when it complicates our careers. Yeah, well, maybe the security force is well trained and well disciplined and so on. Maybe it's you know, almost Ahmed's used cars and certificates and security. Yeah, and, uh, and they got the job because it's easy money. And maybe they're and maybe actually most likely they're infiltrated by the local secessionist um, movement. There's, all of the bloody buggers seem to be infiltrated by the local secessionist movements, or maybe the Nova Europeans or whatever. They the call local them. secessionist movements in turn are infiltrated by. Yeah. <laughs> So, there... so, so this isn't really a tech level scale; it's much more an economic scale. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, it's specific to this campaign. I and mean, pe- people have tried tech level scales with historical ages. That's the classic one. Yeah. And of course, you tr- tr- project it into the future. Um, I've, I've seen suggestions that it should be my means of generating power. Mm. So you know, the internal combustion age, the fission age, whatever. Yeah. The... The total, the total matter, matter conversion age, please be careful with that. So. Well, I'm wondering if you could extend the uh, Kardashev scale to say, okay, rough, roughly how much energy is available to an individual hmm. of this civilization. Yeah, that, and that comes into a balance between government and individual. If, if governments yes. have lots of you, you, lo- have, lots of energy, but they ration it out very carefully. You would have to define a, a, a single actor, but it's easy to calculate because you can work out the planet's total energy production capacity and its population hmm. relatively easily. Uh, whether it's useful is another matter. Yeah, I don't get a sense in that game of there being a, a unified interstellar culture, other than that of the military. But then that's our um, that's uh, that I, I'm not sure the British Empire that we are serving um, has a unified culture much. We're sort of assuming it in the background. Well, it's yes and no because. General, a, a typical freighter takes orders of magnitude more time to travel between places mm. than, than a typical warship. Uh, on the other hand, you can you can transmit data relatively cheaply, relatively far. Yeah. And so it. so we, uh, wherever we go, we're still getting the same god awful plinkety plonk pop songs. Yeah, the the way I see it, that there is. Uh, it, it, it's more remote than the modern-day UK, yeah. but it's probably less remote than the modern-day civilised world. Mm. Um, if some, something horrible has happened, then everybody can know about it within a matter of... Um, Weeks? Days, days to a week or two, maybe. Mm. And that's from anywhere to anywhere. Yeah. If, if there is an important reason for the news to be transmitted quickly. Particularly, I, I see the merchant culture is becoming quite separate from anywhere they actually stop. Yeah. Because they're spending a month at a time um, in radio contact with other people, but essentially with, an, with an, any other interaction being just among themselves. Corporate, co- and, and as with modern, uh, modern um, uh, transnational corporations... They're going to develop a, co- a culture of their own and a group loyalty of their own. Particularly if they're being bounced around from world to world, which might be a deliberate thing. Well, they have they have to go to these places in order to make trades, and they have to deal with the very varying cultures um, between between the interstellar empires. Yeah, and of course, some places are deliberately relatively isolationist. Mm. Um, the, the the people who want to build the perfect society. Yeah. For example, and there, there are always people who want to do that, and sometimes they have enough money to try it. Sometimes they even live through the experience. This it's works a lot better if the atmosphere is breathable. Yeah, bear this in mind. Much, you know, more, I have... much more likely to survive the first civil war that way. 
Well, one of the. So, pro- is, is there an answer to tech level scales? I think is, is, is there a thing, thing we haven't thought of yet? Well, the thing is, I, it becomes most extreme when you get to the very far end to transhumanism and and to the to 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 things which we can only barely conceive nowadays. Points. There are campaigns where um, I look at, uh, at what they're talking about and what they're conceiving, and I can't explain even to myself what people in this universe are capable of, let alone explain it to my players. <laughs> the, uh, we, we have talked before about the game sufficiently advanced, and yeah, where um, uh, that comes from. And uh, there's another, uh, uh, there is a uh, uh, by the apocalypse variant called uh, Farflung, which I'm looking at at the moment and going boggle, 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 boggle. <laughs> I kick-started it too, which I don't regret, but I, uh, I am feeling that I may have problems. One of the things I think we should note is if you're going to do a variant of technology, if you're going to introduce a really new thing and have it have affected the core of the society, in the past, we've talked... In the past of the of the game world, we've talked about the moment at which things change. But I'm talking about setting up a world where you can do something really different mm-hmm. and have it in the past. And I think the thing to do for the poor strained brains of uh, of of modern day people is to do it one thing at a time. It won't happen like that. No society only has one big change, but. Well, even if a a piece of technology falls from the sky with no antecedents, people will start using it to do things it wasn't designed to do. Well, but what I wanted to say, for the sake, if you're doing world design for the sake of your own sanity and your players, you've got to look at one change at a time and say how this. If you start introducing several things that you can you can do, um, then it it makes the it makes it. Multiple effects, the transformations from how we understand modern human beings to work, in as much as we understand them at all, multiply together. They don't add together. Also, and, and, and a setting like um, Eclipse Phase throws everything and the kitchen sink in. Also, from a narrative point of view, you you have to say what is then you know, quite, quite apart from the simulationist approach, which uh, I agree with you. What what is the point in the story of having this? Well, there is, is this a story that is about having faster than light travel? Is it just a bit of background detail? Hmm. That, that, that in turn will, will determine how much you should develop it, I think. Well, the, well, the example I'm thinking of is um, backing up people. Immortality mm-hmm. uh, via, uh, via... Well, let's, let's go with the route that, uh, that transhuman space... That, no, not transhuman space, that uh, Clips Phase uses. You've got um, a, a metallic rod stuck in your spinal cord, and it is recording everything you think and feel. And when you die, they will take that, copy it to a new body, and you'll start again, or somebody will start again. And how yes, that affects it. That's a big meditations on the subject. See recent Schlock mercenary strips. Yeah, um, and that that affects. Well, Schlock mercenary is now talking about. What if you don't bother about with the body? What if the body is not necessary? What yeah, if you but, are but, just the but data? But more to the point, that that guy who did the heroic thing yeah. is not me. He shares some memories with me, but he does not share several crucial memories with me. Yeah. 
or I do not share several of his crucial memories, or what, both actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the, it, that is enough of a difference to affect a whole campaign, and certainly to affect the player character styles. I've not yet run it with, apart from Paranoia, all right, which is is the comic version. Um, I've not yet run it with player characters. I'm not sure how my players would react to saying, all right, don't worry about it. You can die now quite safely. Is that a, that's a big enough theme? I'm not sure how much how much I'd get out of it. It seems to me that what once things have settled in a bit, um, you're going to feel a lot less urgency mm. at a societal level. True. I mean, people will still be wanting to get rich and whatever, but there is there is not that same you know. Um, if, if I'm not a success by the time I'm 30, well, that's okay. I've, I've got another two million years to try it in. Yeah. Uh, uh, as, I, as I rush towards the end of my life far too fast, I uh, become aware of that. And of all the, all, all the, if I'm not a success by the time I'm this age, is that I passed in the past. Mm. Um, unfortunately, my energy levels are dropping, so the increased consciousness of doom is not actually whipping me into, into more activity. But yes, it would mean um, having a longer scale appreciation of things, and maybe that would be the the point at which I could get back to the really long scale stuff. Except if everybody's doing it, then you don't see the differences. You come back, and and yeah. and, and Mr. Jones, uh, you come back a thousand years later, and Mr. Jones from next, next door door is still worrying about his dahlias. Yeah, you do get a certain race to the bottom effect as well. Um, I've seen this talked about in the real world with the possibility of medications that re- uh, reduce one's requirement to sleep. We, we, I like l- l- Let us say in theory without side effects because the, the, the jury is still out on that. Yeah. But l- let us say it w- were possible to get by with six hours sleep rather than eight as a regular thing. Um, okay, I'm trying to un- understand the mind which thinks this is a good thing because I like sleeping. It's, what, it's a pleasure. Yeah. That... So, somebody is is going to say, "Aha! I can come into the office two hours earlier." Yeah, and once he does that, there's going to be pressure for other people to do that. Yeah, and you know, after a few months, it doesn't get, it doesn't give any advantage anymore. But nobody can stop doing it. Yeah. So it, it becomes the standard, but it doesn't doesn't leave anybody feeling better off than they were. The overall thing is more productive, of course, but they're probably not getting paid any more than they were. Well, overtime. What's that? <laughs> yeah, the uh, there is voluntary overtime. Voluntary, I tell you. <laughs> voluntary unpaid overtime. Fair. So, what what else could one do? Energy, historical era, gen- general ability to do stuff. All, all right. I'm, I will admit, I, I've been desperately trying not to mention the Munchkin's Guide to Power Gaming. Okay. Which lists tech levels purely by ways to harm other sentient life forms. For example, <laughs> TL3 Industrial Age, proper guns and cannon, tying people to railway tracks, poaching them with steam. Right. Yeah. Um actually what you what you want to define a tech level by is the things it cannot do when you are visiting it, I think. The feel of the nineteen mm-hmm. forties or the thirties well, would be very different for a visitor from then. Part of it, part of it, is social, but much of it is technical. Um, and and those historical um, uh, time travelers' guides to a particular time period 
are mostly about the limitations you find yourself under if you step back to that point. Mm. The limitations, the, the, the water that the fish there don't see and the assumptions that it makes to their... Uh, a difference it makes to their um, characters and their culture. Yeah, if you're going to... And it's also important if you're going to role-play somebody from that period and not just be a, a, a modern person in drag. Yeah, there is a Dawnford Yates book in which somebody sets off driving furiously across France in pursuit of somebody and is really glad when at the end of the day he's only had to change two wheels. Oomph. Really? That often? The last French roads or, or, or rotten tyres? It, it's not it's not pointed out as exceptional. That's the point. This is the this is the sort of period detail that I love to read old books for because yeah. nobody bothered to write it down at the time. Hub, and nobody noticed the change. In fact, the change would have been swallowed. In, Be, in... People, people complain these days about their car not coming with a spare tire because yeah. a lot of new ones don't. There's some sort of emergency thing instead that gives you a limited speed. But the the number of times one has to use it has dropped substantially. Hmm. I'm not going to say when I last had a puncture because I'll immediately have one tomorrow if I do. Well, so would they? <laughs> the yeah, and and yes, that that's a bit whole bit of lost history because changes in every technological area will be really only noticed by enthusiasts and only written about. Very rarely in specialised journals, people looking back to the days of when you actually had to have film in your camera, and you actually had to have, uh, and you actually had to have developer and that sort of thing, and all the things you could do with it, which are now lost. Yeah, for that matter, um, let's see, early nineties, I, I was in, in the US trying trying to make an international call from a coin box phone for obscure reasons, and I did this successfully and then I got a voice saying please insert extra money and this was what no th this is a telephone if you if you wanted money you would have you would have asked for it before I made the call that's how telephones work hmm. in Britain <laughs> well quite um, maybe the Americans are more honest <laughs> <laughs> that's a hypothesis I don't want to follow up or, or maybe they're more frightened of the phone company <laughs> why did they ask for they didn't ask for it up front. No. No. And you weren't continuing the call. No, this, this was as, as I was uh, finishing. No. How very odd. What would they? Have, did you put the money in? Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's a technical boundary thing. I I, I found out later this was, this was quite standard. Oh. Oh, very very odd. Well, be this as it may. But it's a geographical tech level boundary, and I don't even know whether that's up or down. It's just I a different, it's different way of doing it, things, but it's a different tech base. I think it's down because I I can remember references to in stories of the 1930s to people having to put more money in to continue and to operators cutting in, but that wouldn't happen. Would it happen nowadays? Would it be an automated voice if it happened nowadays? This, this one was a recording, at least. All right. Hmm. Oh, very odd. I want, would they have chased you down? Would you have been hunted by the phone police? <laughs> I'm already on somebody's list as an arms importer, so... Long it's that T-shirt, isn't story. it? It's the T-shirt. <laughs> I don't know if there is a sensible way. There's not a universal way of talking about uh, tech-level capacity. 
Um, and and I, th- there are some things that depend on other things. That that that's what tech levels rely on. Yeah. Uh, you 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 can't build a house out of bricks until you know how to make bricks. Well, this is the point of all the all the the, the post-apocalyptic stories and the thrown back in time uh, genre, where you find yourself going back to sixteen thirty something and uh, and trying to recreate modern tech there. I. I think the authors of those tend to be a bit too blithe and optimistic about what's actually possible. There are so many chains of connection and steps that you need to have before you can build most modern tech. Yeah, though a a lot of tech advance does consist of having the right idea when, when you're in a position to do something about it. Uh, there, there was a series of articles in the Journal of the Travellers Aid Society called Primitive But Not Stupid. I don't remember the details, it's been quite a few years, but basically saying, yes, this world is low-tech, that does not mean the locals are stupid, that means this is the tech they can produce. They may well still have interesting ideas. They're going to have very cunning ways of working around the limitations of the tech they can produce. Yeah. And similarly with the historical thing, you, you, if, if you can port an idea to somebody you may well find that they, they, they can then get clever with the materials that they know intimately because they're working with them all the time. That historically weren't needed because the idea wasn't had until better materials were available. Yeah, I think it's always going to be difficult to, to, de- uh, to describe this. There are technologies which we're using now which are millennia old. Glass um, is... Uh, uh, started out started out by the uh, by the Egyptians trying to make fake jewellery. <laughs> uh, useless piece of information. They had plenty of sand, and so they they eventually created something. But I don't know. I don't know how you, how you describe this or how you set this up. I think for games you set this up as a series of exceptions or a shopping list. Well, you're yeah, right. Immortality. Um, you can buy stuff from this chapter. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder, actually, if, if you think of it in terms of exceptions, that also um, gives you adventure seeds. Yeah. Because because the exception that the that the indigenes are aware of is going to be an exception that they're trying to do something about. Let let us try to build aircraft that can fly across the Atlantic without refueling. The exception the, the exceptions if you come to a world the exceptions that they can do and you can't might not be immediately obvious. Mm-hmm. And um, and it would only be after you you find um, why are there no insurance companies that you discover that they have a cheap immortality. Hmm. Actually, there are no insurance companies because uh, because Doctor Pinero's uh, device uh, got generally adopted. <laughs> oh, yes, I'm yes, sure we'll, I, yes, we'll put it. Are you coming to my, Are you coming? Are you coming to my death party? I, I'm due to clock out next tu- Tuesday. Nobody seems to know why. So we, we, we've gone from the starting point of uh, traveller tech levels being misunderstood and ended up with tech levels are broken, let's not use them. Okay. Yeah. We've made progress. Huzzah! have any uh, progress you'd like us to make, 
Um, any uh, time time alterations in the time stream? Not reconnected to gaming this time, please. Um, I think we've we've talked that one out. Mm. Um, and and or a campaign set over a long, long stretch of time you'd like to talk about? Then you can contact us. Leave a message on the website or send an email to podcast at tekeli.ly. And we hope to see you, or we hope you hear us in a month's time. Mm.